welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm Priscilla McKinney with you as always, the host here and also the mama bird here at the nest. And I have one of my friends with me today. We're going to have a really good time. I love having fellow Spaniards on my podcast. So this one's going to be a romp and I promise we'll do it mostly in English. Mostly, right? So, Carlos Avia, welcome to the podcast. Muchas gracias. <laughs> See, and even it's the gracias. I just, you know, my my home territory. I love being with my people. But we are going to talk a little bit about us speaking Spanish has to do with what we do day to day. And I hope that by the end of this podcast, you're going to maybe come away with a little bit of a different worldview or maybe a little different perspective about what you can do today with your work. But without further ado, Carlos and I, just full disclosure, we're great friends. We've become really strong colleagues over the years, but he is the director of business development over at Multilingual Connections. It's such an amazing team. It's such a powerful team. And what I mean by powerful is really about how deep the connections go and how just like overwhelmingly human and heard I feel when I talk with their team, but they are a Chicago-based company. They provide translation, transcription, transcreation, and multimedia localization and research services in over 75 languages. I was just privileged enough to be at a couple of shows, both with Carlos and also with the founder of Multilingual Connections, Jill Kushner-Bishop, and she is just amazing too. So it's so cool to have Carlos on the show today, but I'm just going to give you just a tiny little thing about him personally, is that he did move to Spain after doing some business studies. And so he has a very good background in business, what it takes to move global companies forward. But he's also so interested in the strengths of the connections we make and how that is really tied to the amount of learning we can get from each other. And that goes from personal connections all the way through business. So Carlos, I hope that's a warm welcome you get to my show, but we're going to chitty chat about what we do all day long. It was a very warm welcome and you make me sound so much more knowledgeable than I really am. I love it. <laughs> well, you and I both sound much better usually when we have a glass of wine in our hand. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> Wax on and on. But this is something really interesting about Carlos. Let's start here. He did not come from the market research or the marketing or the language translation side of business originally. He was actually in the chemical industry. And so he made the switch. And so I'd like to kick this interview off with this question about what surprised you when you decided to make that crazy switch about the world of language and culture and how that works for business? Yeah. So the truth is, it's very different than I imagined. I've lived my entire life surrounded by different languages and cultures and being in international business and living in Spain and the United States and those things. But obviously the business end of things is the business end of things, right? And, and until you peek behind the curtain on any business, you really don't understand how all things work. I would say the biggest surprise to me was how technical it can really get and how involved it can really get. I've done sort of ad hoc translations for friends and family and that sort of thing. And obviously not a language professional, right? I didn't grow up in the industry. And so looking and seeing how it's really done, the speed with which it can be done, the accuracy with which it can be done, and the nuance with which it can be done really, really, really surprised me. I'm going to interject something there because I've actually used you all as a vendor partner, you know, and I'm one of your clients. 
And I've got to say, one of those issues you just brought up is about the confidence here. I'm bilingual. I'm so, so in French. So I don't think it counts as trilingual. (laughs) I mean, I can get around and I can really eat very well, (laughs) but that's not the same as being really bilingual. But in Spanish, I feel very confident translating my own things. But to your point, it's surprising how complicated it can get. And I know I don't spend every waking hour of my day now in Spanish. And so even when I wanted to go out and do one of my speeches in Spanish, then I look to you guys. (laughs) Right, exactly. So here's the thing. What happens is when you and I are doing translations for ourselves or friends or whatever, well, it's easy. And then we'll come across an expression or a word and we labor over it for 15 minutes. We might look it up. We might call a friend, (laughs) dial in, but whatever. The point is we labor over that. The linguist, the professional says, oh, I've encountered this before. Here are my three options. In this context, this is the one that I'm going to use. They just go right on. Multiply that by a 17-word page document or something like that and how many times that comes up. It just, it means that they're more efficient. It means that they have more to pull from. Okay. And of the language you and I have in common is Spanish, though not to mention you and I both lived quite a number of years in Spain. That is not the same Spanish that is spoken all around the world. So go to the Caribbean, go to Mexico, go throughout Central or South America, and boom, it's completely different all over again. And I remember when I started going to El Salvador and Guatemala quite a bit, some of my family ended up moving there later in life. I didn't even know what some of the fruits were. I'm like, what? I I don't even have any context for this. So when you multiply that over into business, it can be crazy. And I'll add one other thing too, is that I grew up in Spain, which means that those were my teen years. And is that good for language formation? Sure very good at language. And it does sound much more natural for me probably than someone who learned later in life. But I used to hang out on the stoop and talk crap with my friends. That's very different than how I show up today in business. Sure. That actually happened when I moved to Spain as a younger adult, younger than I am today anyway. And I had grown up speaking Spanish basically in the summertime with my cousins in Spain and maybe being there every other year or so. And I learned, like you, I learned what kids learn and how kids learn to speak. And when I moved there as as an adult and as a professional, I had to learn a whole new version of Spanish to be, to operate in a professional environment, right? Because it's, and as you probably know, writing in business Spanish, it's very specific. And I had to basically learn that whole language, even though I had grown up speaking Spanish all my life. And then you have on top of it, people who speak Castellan. (laughs) You got it. Crazy people. So do not get their language wrong, please. (laughs) Don't. They'll call you out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They have no problem with that. That's where we enter into the part of this podcast about culture, personality in the individual. (laughs) But let's move on to this surprising thing. I like this idea. This is what surprised you moving in here. But now Multilingual Connections does translation and transcription and transcreation for so many different industries. But one industry that you do focus on quite a bit is the market research industry. So I guess I'd like to hear from you, what do you think surprises people in market research who are really typically doing very global work, but what is surprising them about the kind of translation that you do? Sure. So hit on this earlier, a minute ago, when you talked about the different versions or or dialects of Spanish in and of itself, right? And so I think what surprises people is that not just with Spanish, I think most people actually nowadays understand that Spain Spanish is very different from South American Spanish. And then within South American Spanish, there are also tons of varieties and all those sorts of things. But it it is everywhere, right? It's There's French and French Canadian, but there's even Northern and Southern Italy. There are so many variations. One that really comes to mind, and it happens 
I think where it really has propped its head up in the market research area is actually in, in sort of the research done around politics. People are really, really, truly understanding that Spanish in the United States you're going to have to get very specific if you're going to research people's political points of view. Miami versus Los Angeles, South Carolina versus New York City. You know, there are very different Hispanic populations with very different political views, very different cultures. And if you're not speaking their language, their Spanish, you might not find your insights the way you want to. So that's a big standout to me is, is how surprised people are when you say, so are you going to do this for the Guatemalan population in South Carolina? Or are you going to do this for the, the Cuban population in Miami or the Puerto Rican population in New York? And they say, oh, gosh, I didn't think about that. And then all of a sudden it can cause some light bulbs to go off on how they need to approach their research, because then it goes back to the research design, right? Okay, I'm going to come back to that idea of localization and kind of laugh at ourselves having grown up speaking, quote unquote, proper Castellano. <laughs> okay, so in Spain, I don't know if you ever heard this phrase, but ser español es un orgullo, and then ser de Madrid es un título. Did you ever right. hear this? It's like of, this idea of... Of course, of course. <laughs> right? So to be Spanish is a thing of pride, but to be from Madrid or Castilla y Leon, from, to be from that area is a title. And this yes. is interesting to talk about this localization in terms of trust, because this is one issue that you bring up with me an awful lot. Before we get too far, let's talk about this show's sponsor. As a business professional, mastering social media is no longer a nice-to-have set of skills, but a fundamental need in order to advance your career and exceed goals. A lot of people are interested in learning social selling techniques for revenue generation, network building, and maybe even to advance their thought leadership. But what is actually needed is a practical and repeatable system to digitally transform whole teams. Teams that commit to creating meaningful digital communities and learn how to leverage social media to turn relationships into sales online far outperform their competitors. And companies that commit to investing in their teams to increase their personal social influence reap the benefit of increased brand awareness and positive upticks in company reputation. Social media is natural. It's cost-effective, and it's an easily leveraged tool at anyone's disposal. What is lacking is an effective and proven system that trains sales, marketing, HR, and executives alike to move from social selling to complete digital transformation and into digital dominance. Our 12-week social selling course is a practical, hands-on experience. It's taken over time specifically to address the needed mindset shifts, the changes in habits and behaviors, and all of this while implementing new skills. You will learn how to network effectively and at scale, build rapport with targeted audiences, expand your influence, and become the go-to authority in your area of expertise. So this is not a quick tips and tricks for LinkedIn success flash in the pan. It's a commitment to changing the way you show up online and experience career-shifting breakthroughs. This is expert instruction in small cohorts with personalized one-on-one -on -one coaching. If you're interested, go learn more at littlebirdmarketing.com slash social hyphen influence.
right? Before I go to the trusting, there's another, every single region in Spain has a saying like that, right? In Asturias, which is where I'm from in Northern Spain, we say Asturias es España, lo demás es tierra conquistada, which means that Asturias <laughs> is Spain and the rest is conquered territory. Oh, and if you know yeah. the history of Spain and you know the reconquest, that it started in Asturias. So, but every single region in Spain, it's not really important that Asturias the only original part of Spain. And That's, unfortunately, nobody's seen like the gestures that we're making that are very <laughs> Spanish with this. So, you know, but maybe that, I'll have to add a video. <laughs> But that's really some folklore and maybe some false pride or whatever. But but my point is that every single region has something like that. The trust issue, right, but it does play on that concept, right, of where are you from? Who are you? And I think that all researchers know that establishing trust is the very first, that's the punto de partida, right? That's the, the starting point to be able to conduct your research. And I think that the way the language and culture plays into this is the exact same way that it plays into any establishment of trust. And that is, do I feel welcome? And does this person have any understanding of my lived experience, right? And the way you convey that through language and culture, for example, is do you say gracias or do you say gracias? And that matters to people in conscious and subconscious ways. They say, oh, this person's one of my kind, this person, I see myself reflected. And that doesn't even have to be in the spoken. That can also be in the way a question is posed on a survey or the way it's posed in a call session, right? And you tell this person, I understand you through the way you communicate, written or spoken. Or then go beyond that in behaviors. I mean, is it a woman who's coming to me and moderating the session? Is this a my experience of the types of questions that someone can ask me right away? I think about Americans, there's almost nothing we won't talk about, but there's so many cultures where so many other subjects are taboo. And I mean, we won't even launch into that too deeply, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, for sure. The We did a project recently to tell you how specific this can get. Project recently where the client said, we want a moderator, we want a research moderator to come in and facilitate this session. And we want them to be Indian American, Hindi speaking, but we want the research conducted in English. The groups are going to be in English. I don't remember if there were groups or IDIs actually now. But anyway, the sessions are going to be conducted in English, but we want this person to have this background. Can you find us someone that can conduct this research this way? And, and that's the point. So we're a language service company, right? In this case, we provided someone to do something in English, but it was the we provided a cultural service in that case. Oh my gosh. I just love that. I love that. And that's such a big piece of that trust and understanding that that's going to be a bigger issue for that particular group. And isn't that what market research is all about? We're asking people to be very vulnerable, share with us their opinions, the things they typically keep private. And if they're not comfortable with you, then how good are the insights that you're going to get from that? Are you going to, you can get someone, they're getting paid. They're going to talk to you. But are they really going to open up to you? And I think that's such a big difference and something that people don't understand all these crazy layers about with language. So, I mean, obviously you and I can talk about this all the time, but tell me a little bit more personally as we close here, this idea of like, what is being bicultural meant for you and for your life? Obviously you've had a a great career in two different places, but what's on top of your mind about that? Sure. I mean, the first thing that stands out about that is that the ability to see multiple sides of anything, right? When you grow up with the 
in your DNA is the knowledge that there isn't a right or a wrong way to hold a fork. There's the way they do it there and there's the way they do it here. There isn't a right or, well, there might be some wrong ways to hold a fork, but, but just understanding that there are many ways to do things and many ways to think about things. And that's your baseline. That's your default position. It's not a place you have to get to. Like we, anyone who's been like in a brainstorming session or anything like that, right? They, they're, they're always like these mental exercises to get you to think out of the box. I think that bicultural people, the ones that I know, they tend to be out of the box thinkers as a default position. They don't need no, to get we're all them. we're all like, what? There's a box. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I exactly. have no idea. <laughs> what do you call it? <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. And so that's to me, that's one of the biggest things. And, and then that leads to also being able to meet people where they are in a more natural way. You're more accustomed to being the one that does the 51% travel to get to where someone is because it's just it's how you had to survive as a kid. You had to learn how, oh, I'm going to have to go from where I am to where they are. And so whoever they are. And then you take that, especially if you have not just the bicultural background, but also some more international experience, you begin to realize, oh, okay, you can start to see the lines and, the, and how they're drawn differently in Germany versus Shanghai. I don't know. And so just being able to be that chameleon that adapts to people. And it's a benefit in many ways, especially in a sales and marketing role like the one I'm in. But in general terms, it's great whenever people go, oh, he gets me and, or he gets to me. And so I think those two things are the big things. Well, you bring up the idea of the journey to get to somebody. And I just came off of 26 hours of traveling last night. So yes, you're right. I feel that pain. You know what it's like to really make the effort to be in person with someone, to understand their world, to see their things and to hear about it in their way. And you can't really understand that world fully unless you immerse yourself in it. But kind of bringing that idea up, I, I just want to kind of explain that even for me, I come from this background. These are not weird conversations for me. I am bilingual, but still when I needed this stuff done in French, when I needed this stuff done for my business in Spanish, I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys handle this. And I got to tell you, I got a really great guide, a roadmap for success on a project from you guys, where it really helped me like put all the things in order that I needed to kind of get my stuff together, get all my ducks in a row before I sent it to your team to really give me a good quote about what was I trying to accomplish. So I want to make sure I push this in the show notes, but it is the roadmap for success. It's like a workbook, little project workbook for getting right. started with a translation project. So just as a huge thank you, Carlos, for coming on the show, I definitely will throw that in the show notes. And if everybody's kind of wondering like, yeah, but how do I get started? Or I don't want to sound stupid with a question. This is a good place to start. Yeah, it certainly is. I think the two big things that are in that roadmap, and there's plenty of great stuff in there, but the two standouts in that roadmap to me are thinking very thoroughly through who is this for? what, How is it going to be used? Really thinking that through is key number one. And key number two is making some decisions up front that before you even send your materials to a language service provider is where do I want this to be in terms of art and science? And what I mean by that, is this a technical one-for-one -one translation, the one end of the spectrum, or is this, no, no, I don't care about the words you choose. I care about the message that gets across. And so it goes all the way to the other end of the, what we call transcreation, the spectrum. So understanding where you are with that, what this is for is important in particular in market research, but really anywhere. Oh, I love that because you start becoming so awake and alive to how many 
cultural references you make during the day. <laughs> it's funny. I'm not even a really big American sports person, but I find constantly in business, American guys are always making sports analogies with me. And that sure. doesn't really connect with me. And so when you talk about this, well, I understand what you're saying, but you're not really connecting with me. So maybe they could get some of these things translated for me and I can start understanding the world through their <laughs> sports analogies. Sports yeah, sports exactly. I love it. Well, that's on multilingualconnections.com. There's a forward slash project hyphen workbook. But like I said, I'll put it in the show notes. It really helped me get my project together. And it helped me just think through what I wanted to do and how I wanted the speech to feel so that I could be a lot more confident in my delivery. And I was very surprised with some things that came back from your translators actually on it. And I thought, oh, look at me learning <laughs> this late nice. in life. <laughs> nice. About your own language. Right? Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it's so akin at Little Bird Marketing to the persona work that we do, really caring about your audience. And I think really good translation really cares about your audience. I'll just give one other shout out. I know I, I hang out with Jill, your boss all the time. And uh, I know that you guys do a lot of translations in museums. And so usually when I'm walking through a museum, I do like to think about it differently. A lot of times I find myself reading them in Spanish because it like puts me on a different rail, makes me there pay attention go. a little bit differently than if I just, no, 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 in the pro work. <laughs> and I like to engage differently. And it does make me think all the time, oh my gosh, if I had to translate this historical thing, how would I someone, do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would I do it to get someone engaged with this painting on the wall? What would I do? And I just love that kind of work. And I, I feel like knowing you guys and hearing about your projects, it does make my life a lot richer. Oh, well, that's wonderful to hear. That's wonderful to hear. You need to connect with Carlos, obviously see him at the next conference. If you get to see him in person, that would be great. But he's always happy to jump on Zooms and hear what's going on with your work. But it's Carlos and Avia and it's Carlos, C-A-R-L-O-S and Avia, H-E-V-I-A. So please connect with him on LinkedIn, another one of my pals and social influencers out there doing business day in and day out. But Carlos, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Priscilla. It was great. Lots of fun. From all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, another cultural reference, <laughs> have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.